When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Bears Nation Podcast, powered by ONTAP Sports Network. How about you? Well, I'm sitting here eating my pancakes, thinking about moving number one. Really? You'd consider a trade? I'd consider the right one. Bears Nation. Overall, just really excited. We got better as a football team. You know, that kicked off with a trade. You had a player like DJ Moore who can help us right now get better. I was over the moon about that. Walker fires downfield, looking for DJ Moore. Oh, the end zone makes a diving catch for a touchdown. Wow. I think everybody's level can reach a new level. I was talking to Mooney about being together with Chase, and I was just going to elevate the offense and just elevate Justin at the same time because I'm here to just make everybody around me better, and we're just going to try to go get some wins. It's the Bears Nation Podcast, the pre-draft edition. Here's your hosts. Kevin Lapka, Kellen Garenstein, and Jay Kassan. It's Bears Nation, baby. Let's go. All right, welcome in Bears Nation podcast. It is Monday, April 3rd. And as previously mentioned, this is Bears Nation podcast brought to you by ONTAP Sportsnet. Go to ONTAP. Go for all your Chicago needs, Blackhawks, Bears, I don't know why I started with Blackhawks. That was weird. Bulls, White Black Sox, Hawks. Cubs. Yeah, I don't know. That was weird. I think it's just phonetically. I don't know. Whatever. On Tap Sportsnet. Go there. Chicago stuff. Everything, including us, including this wonderful, wonderful podcast that you are currently listening to. Myself, Jake Hassan, as always, with Kevin Lapka. And today, we're going to do a little mock draft. We did one a couple, uh, a couple weeks ago, a month or so ago, maybe two months ago. I don't know. It all blurs together. Who really cares? But anyway... Point is, first time that we're going to do a mock draft since the Bears traded out of number one down to number nine, accrued all the picks in the mid rounds as well. So we're going to do that, a little update on the last mock draft that we did, new things to consider, obviously new position, and we'll talk through it and go through the picks and go from there. But first things first, Kevin, how are we doing? We're doing good, man. Um, we're getting near that time. It's officially April. It yes. is the officially month, the month of the NFL draft, and it always creeps up, right? Because like free agency happens, and there's like this weird lull period, and then like boom, it's like it's like draft time. So uh, mm-hmm. let's ramp it up, baby. Let's do this mock draft 2.0. There's there's really one note I want to hit on before we do that. Um, you know, I don't have much reaction from pro days. You know, pro days are pro days. Like I've gotten to the point right. where like I'm over it. Like, do you really <laughs> learn anything in a pro? Like seriously, like yeah. I don't understand the concept. Well, for like, guys I, who didn't throw sure. at the combine and then they I, throw at I the pro get day. The concept of it right it gives those guys opportunities to get in front of coaches but like if you were legitimately in on a prospect and you're you, you've got a full scouting department like your evaluation of that prospect at a pro day should not change where they are on your draft board like that's just my whole thing Fair. but like like i get it like like for our guy kellen garrison right that's a guy who played mm-hmm. club football he gets a chance no one knows his name he gets a chance to uh to perform in front of every single coach in the league at Ohio State's pro day, and we'll talk to him, you know, sometime soon about that. Like, it's good for that. But if you're talking about like CJ Shot or something, like what? Right. Or like again, the whole Will Levis, Zach Wilson thing from a couple of years ago, where you know you get one throw, and they did the same thing for Will Levis. I tweeted, I was like, are we really doing this again? Yep. Where we're watching the one throw, and it's gonna rise him up, and, and like. I wouldn't be surprised again. Like there was that point where okay, Will Levis might be number one overall, and then the Panthers trade up. So everyone's like, okay, it's CJ Stroud. Right. Like Levis could be number two overall, and like <sighs> Bryce. Like I just don't know. But anyway, um, the only other note I want to put put on there was I don't know if you saw the report just like ten minutes ago. We're recording today, Tuesday April, or Monday, April third. Uh, sure Jalen Carter said he's only meeting with ten teams. Yeah. Which is like. All the top ten teams. Right. He's not. He said he's not meeting with anyone outside of the top ten, which is interesting, uh, especially since he's already kind of there's some questions around where he'll go. When there were some char- questions about his character Correct. already before this as well. Um, that to me, I don't think the Bears are going to draft him even, even if he's at nine. I think I'd like I think this. Out. It just seems like, and we've talked about this before, how. 
Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus are such high character guys. Like that's what they look for. They look for guys that are going to grind, that love the game, and that you know are high character guys. And everything, and maybe we're wrong. I don't know. This is speculation, obviously. But everything that has happened with Jalen Carter from his bad pro day, where people were saying he was slow and out of shape, and obviously you know the misdemeanor uh, car racing and all that situation is not great. And now he's saying, oh well, you know, despite this, I'm still not meeting with teams outside the top ten. Let me ask you this. Would this be a story if not for everything else? Because remember, Jalen Carter was at one time like, oh, the Bears might take him at number one overall. You know, there's once upon a time, obviously. Would this be such an outrageous thing if not for the bad pro day and, you know, the misdemeanor charges where he had to go to, you know, spend a couple hours in a jail and come out and obviously went back to the combine and all that. But if uh, if not for all that, would this even be a story? Like if like let's say it this way: if Will Anderson did this, probably wouldn't be a story, right? Because he is consensus the top five guy. If it's Will Anderson, yes, but I still, I mean, I can't think of like is this a common thing among guys who are like locks to be drafted? I like I can't like I can't think of a historical example for it. But nonetheless, like it would be less of a story. But I still think it's a story, right? Because look, the Panthers. You know, although they're trading up for a quarterback, we're just in the nine slot. You don't know who's going to trade up. Like, and sure. for you to say, I like this is my decision that I'm not going to meet with teams. Like, if teams outside the top ten were just like, yeah, like it's not worth our time to meet with a process we know is probably not going to be available for us. Sure, I get it. Sure. But like, if you're on your end saying, I refuse. Like, if say. Uh, like the Titans or something, at 11, wanted to meet with you, you would say no? You would decline right. to meet with them? <laughs> it, that, so I, 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 got, I got a problem with that. And uh, again, even if it was, even if he was totally clean, he was still projected to be a top five prospect. Like, we know every year guys fall in the draft. Things happen. Yeah. You, you never know. So you don't want to get in a situation as a player where, okay, now you have fallen outside. Say in some crazy scenario, he falls out of the top 10, you know, before everything had happened. And then you've got a whole run of teams who haven't even met with you. Then they're not going to want to draft you because they didn't meet with you. And then you just keep falling. I just like... I'm sure, look, this wasn't Jalen Carter's decision. I'm sure this was a collaborative decision with Jalen Carter and his agent and his marketing team, right? And sure. everyone involved. But especially given his circumstances and situation, he is in no position to pick and choose who he gets to talk to when sure. it comes to this process. I mean, there's a legitimate chance he gets drafted outside the top 10. And if you're one of those teams outside of the top 10... And you thought that, hey, maybe Jalen Carter could be available for us, but now he doesn't want to talk to us? Guess what? If I'm one of those teams outside the top 10, I'm saying, no, absolutely not. This is the way you're going to try to treat us? I don't want this kind of guy on our team. Even if right. he ends up falling outside the top 10, we're not taking it. I don't like the way he handled this situation. Um, it, this could change, right? We, this was announced today. He might come to his senses and say, you know what, maybe I should be with more teams I'd ask for. It. But I just... I don't know. I like I'm not going to say that this says something significant about his character. I just think given the circumstances, he's not in a position to hold that kind of leverage over those teams. Personally. Yeah, right. No, I completely agree. Uh, you you've done nothing in the NFL so far. It's kind of just a wild move to kind of die on that hill, but hey, and like you said, it was clearly it was signed off and by other people on his team and you know, more, more power to him. Whatever. Wouldn't be how I did, mm -hmm. but also here I am hosting a podcast and not going to get drafted. So, um, all right. Speaking of draft, though, let's uh, let's do it. Let's get into this this mock. Uh, I think we, we're we doing three rounds, something like that. Um, and we'll just go pick by pick. We'll talk through it and what we think the Bears situation would be, what's on the table, and where we think they'll go. So, um, Kevin, by all means. Yeah, so it must be known. We are using PFF here, and if you're watching on YouTube here um, or Twitch right now, you'll be able to see it. Uh, it's pulled up right now. For those who do mock draft simulations, a lot of them, um, PFF and like the Draft Network, the two primary mock draft websites, have turned into Twitter and just make everything behind a paywall. So now we can't do trades here. So before we do this, I do want to say that I think, and people have to remember here, I, I was right about the first trade to Carolina. So I might, I might know what I'm talking about here with trade downs. <laughs> I think there's an above 55, and I don't have inside information. This is just my what what I think Ryan Poles is thinking about, right? I think there's above like a 55% chance they trade that pick, Jake. I, I really do. I mean, he has mentioned, he has hinted at that being a possibility for them. And if there's no dynamite prospect there and you can accrue more picks, and we, we know, right? Like he has gone the route of not filling this roster through free agency. 
We know that. And it was interesting. Brad Spielberger was on CHGO, the PFF guy, mm-hmm. or, uh, yeah, the PFF guy, the cap guy, saying like they still have to spend, I think, like yeah. $40 million, which could come through extensions and things like that. They still have to spend it for you. And you're hoping but, some of it does because yeah, you're waiting for extensions for Komet and Mooney specifically. And, and uh, Jalen Johnson. Yes. Um, but they're going to fill this roster to the draft. So if that's the 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 idea here, then I hundred percent see a trade down being possible. What what are your thoughts on that before we dive into where we don't have the option to trade? I think you've accrued enough capital in this draft where you are good at nine. I think they're good there. I think you're still gonna get like and we'll talk about it. Like I still think you get whether that's Skaronsky or maybe even Devin Witherspoon or whoever, you're still getting a day one starter at nine, and you probably are in the first round in general, but you're still getting a like instant impact guy at nine. And I think I disagree that it's over fifty percent chance. I because obviously you're expecting it. Now, like in that case, you think it's more likely than not. I disagree. I it's not impossible, but I disagree that it's whatever above a fifty five percent chance. I think it's less likely. Um I, I think it's more likely they stick with this pick. Okay. Well, again, I, I think it depends on who's available there for you. So sure. let's run the draft here. Again, we're not going to choose for run the it. other teams. We're just going to kind of let uh, PFF decide who gets taken before us. Bryce Young, number one over us. Like, Jalen Carter, third to the Cardinals. Yeah. Anthony Richardson to the Colts. Will Anderson to the Seahawks. Quinton Johnson to the Lions. Will Levis to the Raiders. This is a wild draft. Devin Weatherspoon to the Falcons. So here at nine, <sighs> the players available for the Bears right now uh, – in order of the PFF rank here, as they have it with ADP, Tyree Wilson, Edge, Christian Gonzalez, cornerback from Oregon, Jack Smith and Jigbo, wide receiver from Ohio State, Peter Skaronsky still available, Lucas Van Ness, um, and Paris Johnson also available. Here raises Miles Murphy, Brian Brisey. Here raises the the question we've been having for months, right? Tackler edge, it seems to be the two primary positions here. You have premiums at both in Tyree Wilson and Peter Skronsky or Paris Johnson, if you evaluate him, or Lucas Van Ness, right? It depends how you how you evaluate it. Um, Jake, take your pick here. What would you rather do if this? Because I also will say. This could shake. This this isn't. This is plausible. The first eight picks are weird in the way they happened, like with Bryson going first and and Levis going to the Raiders. But like those eight players, I could see all being shuffled around in the top. Like I don't think it's insane for these to be the players available for you at nine. Right, and even if you like maybe like uh, Christian Gonzalez more than Devin Weatherspoon or something, you know, a lot of this is. I think this is totally plausible. Uh, and if, if this is the scenario, I think the Bears are running to take Tyree Wilson. I think they are running to put that pick in. I think it's Tyree Wilson all the way. We've talked about, you know, basically since the season ended of how badly you need someone that could disrupt opposing quarterbacks, disrupt an opposing offense. Tyree Wilson's that guy. He has insane athleticism and measurables. I, I think they're absolutely sprinting to put Tyree Wilson's name in on this scenario. I mean... I, I think you have to be right, and, and we and we talked about the intangibles that exist with him. Um, they're they're going to meet with him. I think I think they like what he presents. I mean, doesn't from- this also like fit what you've done so far in free agency too? Like you signed a bunch of linebackers, didn't really. I mean, you signed one pass rusher, uh, Walker from Tennessee, but you still need someone on the other side. Doesn't this kind of fit what they've done so far? Like they they have the secondary already with. Uh, Jaquan Brisker and Eddie Jackson and Jalen Johnson and you like what you have in Kyler Gordon and slot corner or whatever you'll figure it out maybe elsewhere in the draft but d- doesn't it fit what they have like you have the linebackers now too thanks to free agency you still need a pass rush and Tyree Wilson and you know Walker on the other side like I think that really rounds you out nicely like you have at least a defense that's in the top half of the league and maybe you're right on that you know 15 16 line but Regardless, it's a big jump from where you were. Yeah, it's a big jump. I mean, this is a player who's going to be a year one starter for you and make a little bit of noise. Like, this isn't a prospect who's, you know, on the more developmental side. You look at some of the players that they drafted last year, right? You're talking about guys with a lot of experience, and I think they kind of look for that in their prospects. Tyree Wilson, you know, isn't coming out early. He was a se- He's played all four years. He was senior last year. Um, you know, was an, it was a second-team All-American, all-conference in the Big 12, right? Um I think they look for players who have experience, but last year you looked at a lot of guys who were 
more, I would say, raw prospects, right? Who you you had belief in your coaching staff, you could turn some of those guys into something. You take a guy like Braxton Jones, right, from a mid-major school, and 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 you bring him out, and you you have trust in your offensive line, you know, staff to to turn him into a starter and a guy who's going to play a majority of your snaps at left tackle, and that turned out to be correct. And I think they had the same sort of ideology for uh, for Velas Jones Jr. Right? You saw a prospect that was really raw, who needed to polish his route tree, who needed to 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 polish, uh, and he didn't do this but you know the way he returns kicks and and mm-hmm. as a kick returner if that was going to be his primary uh role on special teams right you, you took some some other raw prospects even in tress and ebner um and and kyler gordon guy who's really raw coming out and have faith in your defensive staff to build something this is a player where so, to the point where what i when i'm talking about those guys dominic robinson another one of them probably the best example a guy who just right. had been playing a position for a year you have to have real trust in your coaching staff to turn that guy into something else but what i'm trying to say is they were looking for guys where you knew at that point of the rebuild, you could afford to draft players who weren't going to be ready year one. Sure, you, you said, could take okay, those this, swings. Right, take those swings. Look, let's. we know that Dominique Robinson's a two-year project. We know that even Braxton Jones might be a two-year project, although he's you know, exceeded expectations. Exceed expectations. Tyre Wilson is a player where, hey, we know competitiveness and you know, playoff berth and, and, and competitive games in December is the goal this year. We know Super Bowl is not the goal, but we want to play competitive games in December. Tyre Wilson's a player who's going to come in and perform for you right away. He He's not a two-year project. He's a player who can start immediately. He's got the experience. He's put up numbers in th- throughout his entire college career. I believe that that would likely be the pick. And you know, Go ahead. I, I just agree. And also, just one more point on Wilson. You know, he was part of the scrappy Texas Tech team la- last year that was upset Texas and won some games that was kind of surprising. So he has that kind of experience too, which I mean, it it kind of go back to the character conversation. Yeah. And and look again, you know, I'm not going to kind of characterize every single guy from the last draft and put him in the bucket, but you saw a lot of guys who, you know, weren't like no blue bloods, right? No Alabama players, no Georgia players, no Ohio state players, right? Clemson players. And, and people's, People all, whenever you see a guy, even from a school, yeah, like Texas Tech's not a blue blood, but yeah. they're playing competitive games playing against good 12. teams in the Big 12, right? You know, you know, you, you like to see that. And yeah, Valley Shone Jr., Tennessee, you know, Jaquan Brisker, Penn State, Kyler right. Gordon, Washington, I get it. Um, but there's always, for me, a little bit of something towards a guy who played against elite level competition, performed against elite level competition, and has done it for four years, has played in the biggest moments, not sure. scared of the biggest moments, has seen the best competition. That's always a positive. Um, you get that more in Texas Tech maybe than you do in Iowa for Lucas Van Ness, right? Like, it depends how much you really evaluate that. It doesn't matter a whole lot, but it's sort of a, a positive. Look, he, he, he's he got elite size. He's got phenomenal strength and speed. His athleticism score... Um, Athleticism, sorry, I believe ranked seventh among edge rushers uh, in, in the draft, but his overall production score was, or 13th for athleticism score according to Next Gen Stats. His overall production score from the combine, second among edge rushers. So we know what he is as an athlete and as just an overall prospect at the edge position. Look, I think this is a guy who is the second best edge rusher in the draft. Obviously, there's a gap between him and uh, and Will Anderson, but. To me, that's the pick. But Jake, before we do it, you know, you're going to get a lot of people chirping about where's offensive tackle. This is more important. We know that the premise of this year is to make sure that Justin Fields is the guy. So you approach mm-hmm. 2024 with that Super Bowl window, knowing you have a star quarterback. I know that we already believe that's the case, but there's a lot of people that don't, and they don't think that he can get there unless the protection is optimal. What do you say to the people that say, "Well, if Skaronsky and Paris Johnson are available at nine, and you don't have a pick until later uh, or until early in the second round, you're going to miss out on some elite level offensive prospects." Uh, in that case, it tells me that the Bears like someone on day two or three that they think could be maybe not Braxton Jones and come in as a fifth rounder and start, but maybe someone in the second or third round that can come in and start. And they like someone, have someone highly graded, or that they're just comfortable with both Cody Whitehair and Lucas Patrick, and they like where those guys have come and progressed over the winter, and they feel confident in their ability to play and start and be contributors next season. So I, I think it's Wilson here. The... Where I would agree with you is just the depth is greater at like at sure. offensive line. Like yeah. sure, I mean here after Ed Rusher, we've talked about this scenario. Like after Tyree Wilson, there's a significant gap between him and Luke Van Ness. Like it's just there is there's a steep drop off. Whereas we've had this conversation around Skaronsky and a Jones and uh, Johnson that 
they're all kind of the same. And even so much so that, you know, people have them sliding farther and farther down draft boards seemingly, and that mm-hmm. any of them could go number, uh, you know, as the first guy and either of them could, any of them could go as the third guy later in the first round. Like there's just less of a discrepancy, I guess would be the word. I would agree. Um, uh, it, it, it's hard, man. I also would like the drop off between Tyre Wilson, the next best guy is significant, but at the same time, too, like with offensive tackle, I just think it's a deeper overall class. So, yes, sure. like, sure, like it's not top heavy, is what I'm trying to say. Like, Skronsky and Paris Johnson are really good prospects, but I'm trying to think of uh, a couple guys from years past who were like consensus top five, like Evan Neal or something, right? Like, consensus top five pick. There was no doubt about it. This guy needs to be taken in the top five. Or uh, the guy that was drafted by the Giants a couple years ago from Alabama. For, I'm forgetting the name right now. Um, but the depth at offensive tackle, like, there's a name I have on my notes that we'll get to who could be available in the second round who I think could be just as good as both of those guys. Great. Um, so that depth is there. And Look, Ryan Poles, I've had belief in his ability to evaluate offensive linemen, and yeah, it's a small sample size with Braxton, Braxton Jones, but because of his background as an offensive lineman and because of, you know, I don't know if you want to chalk up like Creed Humphrey to him in and, and, and Kansas City, but I'm sure he had a say in it, and that was great. Uh, it worked out really well for them as a, as a crucial piece of that Super Bowl offensive line. I have more faith in Ryan Poles finding a gem at offensive line later after the first round than I do at edge, if that sure. makes sense. Especially after the Braxton Jones pick. Yeah, I think we just go with Wilson, Wilson. and we go from there. All right, uh, before, real quick before we do it. as far I said last week, or whenever, it's been a while since we did an episode, I was out on taking a wide receiver. Sure. Um, I don't think they will take one at nine, but I said the 55% chance, whatever, that they trade down, if they do trade down to... 12, 11, 13, 17, whatever, I, I think it becomes a greater possibility. And the more I thought about it, the more I want to take back my statement that there's no chance that they'll take a player like that. When has anyone ever complained about having more weapons? Sure, that was your point at the time, too. It was my... And logically, the way they've operated the free agency and the depth that they do have with the wide receiver position, it doesn't make a ton of sense, but... I also do think Ryan Poles is operating this draft at best player available. I I really think that's the way he's going to operate. I, I yeah. look it, again when you. It depends on his evaluation of where you are at the time. But you have one year until full competitiveness. You are not in a position to to fully sell out for player of need because that's going to route out a roster that we believe is going to win the Super Bowl. You can afford to take, even if it doesn't complete your team full circle, you can afford to take a player like Jackson Smith and Jigba if you really love them at nine because there's no downside to it. You're probably going to lose Claypool after the year, and then you go sign Mooney to the extension, and guess what? For your Super Bowl window, you have JSN, Mooney, and DJ Moore, and no one complains about that. You help your quarterback as much as possible. I I wouldn't give it high odds that it happens, but I just want to say if they trade down, I don't, I said it last week and I want to take it back. I don't think it's out of the cards that if they really do like Jackson, who had a decent pro day performance, that they, that they, they could take him. That's, that's my only thought process. And I think it's only him. I think it's only him. I don't think it's Addison, but I think the connection with Fields is is sure. enough for them to consider it. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm sure they would consider it. Uh, I just agree. In this spot, I just don't think it's something that would be on the table. Okay, but Bengals fans said that a couple years ago, right? It was the question for Bengals fans about, do we take offensive line at five or do we take Jamar Chase, right? And yes, the Bengals have not won a Super Bowl, and it's funny because the thing that has held them back has been their offensive line, but they sure. also probably don't get there without Jamar Chase. And Jackson Smith and Jigba isn't the same prospect, right. but it's an interesting case study in the same sort of conversation that the Bears are having, right? I guess. it's Like you said, they're just not the same prospect. Like Chase sure. was already, you but know... from a value standpoint, yeah, they're not the same prospect to be taken at five, but... Jamar Chase at five and JSN at like 15 is probably the same from a value standpoint. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, that's, and at that point you're getting into the semantics of how the bears have certain players graded and so on and so forth. So yeah, I I mean, if they trade back, I think it's feasible, but uh, I also am in the camp that I don't think they're going to trade back again. All right. So say it's 17. I'll give you a hypothetical. Say it's 17. Wilson, Skaronsky and Johnson are gone. Would you take JSN at that point? Probably. Yeah. 
So but I'm I mean, just, it would depend on who else. Yeah, is. it would it would depend, but I'm just saying that's a possibility uh, in the event of a trade down. Well, let's take Tyree Wilson here. Let's move on with the draft. So the Bears get their edge rusher and Tyree Wilson. We're gonna let this play out until the Bears' next pick at 53. Then they have 61 and 64. Paris Johnson Jr. goes to the Jets. Um, Brian Bracey to the Steelers. Nolan Smith to the Lions. That would scare the hell out of me. The yeah, Lions are uh, the Lions are building something good in Detroit, but the Bears have the best quarterback in the division. So. Uh, Jordan Addison and the Cowboys, wow, falling all the way. Broderick Jones, a player that a lot of people like later if they were mm-hmm. to trade down or even early in the second round. Uh, Dewan Jones also going. A lot of tackles are going here. Um, did Isaiah Foss get, t- get taken yet? Because that's a player I want to talk about. Luke Whipler, a center from Ohio State that a lot of people like. Um, Nathaniel Dell to the Commanders, a wide receiver that people like, and the Bears are coming up now. Tyreek Stevenson to the Seahawks. So now available for the Bears at 53. We're on the clock. Sam Laporta, tight end from Iowa. Jameer Gibbs, halfback from Alabama. Joe Tipman, center from Wisconsin. Sidney Brown falling all the way to the second round, a player that people think could be the best safety in the class. It's falling all the way down there. Nick Herbig, edge from Wisconsin. Zach Charbonnet, halfback from UCLA. Some of the top names here. Isaiah Foskey still available, edge at Notre Dame. Siaka Ika. Uh, Siaki Ika. I think you like Ika, right? Uh, I did. We we brought him up uh, in one mock draft, our first one uh, earlier. John Michael Schmitz and Darnell Wright. All right. Uh, I have a, an easy lean here okay. at 53, but do you have an early lean on, on anyone you like here? Um, so the first two, like Laporte and get like no interest in Absolutely a tight end not. or a running back Absolutely here. Not. Uh, not really a, like, but I think you're probably looking offensive line here. It's just a matter of, do you do it now? Or do you try and wait uh, until 61 to try and get one of those guys? It, it's uh, kind of just a, again, then you're back into the semantics of valuation and so on and so forth. So I don't really have a huge lean. Uh, but I, I think offensive line would probably be my lean there. I would agree. Now, it's funny you say that because I didn't even think about ha- like having 61 here. It, it reminds you sort of of last year, right? I forget the picks they had last year. But it was like, okay, so we take – I always I'm, – I'm so stupid. Who was the first pick, Gordon or Brisker? Gordon. Yeah, you take Brisker and, okay, we missed out on – uh, on Pickens there, but we could still mm-hmm. maybe this could be a situation where you know they take they sort of reach quote unquote reach for someone there fifty three, sure. but you're hoping that that guy that you were still targeting could be available at sixty one. Um, I think that's the case here, right? Like you go for that player of need that you really like. Say it's Isaiah Foskey, or, or sorry, because uh, you don't want to go edge. Uh, say it's Darnell Wright, a prospect I really like at Tennessee, but. If you really like Jameer Gibbs, mm-hmm. you have the luxury of still taking that player because guess what? After 61, three picks, picks later, you have 64, and another player right. that you were targeting could still be available there. But at 53, you don't know what's going to happen between those eight picks. You have to you you have to reach for a player that you love that you may not know is going to be there later. And I think they're going to do that for Darnell Wright, Ten- a tackle out of Tennessee. I love okay. this guy as a prospect. I think he's a four-star prospect. Uh, I have in my notes as a four-star prospect. I think he's highly underrated um, coming out of Tennessee. Again, a player with a lot of experience, four-year starter who improved every season. Um, I believe he only allowed a one one pressure to to uh, to Will Anderson when they faced off against Alabama in that 52-49 uh, Tennessee victory and was really great senior bowl performance, uh, dominant, and everyone remember who yeah. gets he coached that. He's been, True. you know, <laughs> eyes glued to Darnell Wright. But the number one thing that I think we're going to look at for all these guys because of the way the Bears have built their roster and even the way that they have attacked free agency um Athleticism score, right? This guy was se- third among offensive tackles in athleticism. He ran a 5.0, 140-yard dash, pretty fast for an offensive tackle. Um, fourth overall production score at the combine amongst tackles. Again, you know, a, a senior, played all four years. You got the experience at a high-level school against the best competition. I love Darno Wright. I can't believe he's even available here. Some people think he's going to be at the, t- uh, uh, at the late ends of the first round. I think you got to go after it. And I think if you were to get Darnell Wright here, you're looking at a player who, and I hinted at it earlier in a little tease, could end up being just as good as Paris Johnson Jr. or Prieter Skronsky. That's how high I am on this kid. He's rated 70th overall, I think, uh, on PFF. I, I think he certainly is worth taking at 53. But that that would be my pick there. Um, I would go Darnell Wright, Tennessee. 
Well, and you see the difference there too. If you're watching on YouTube or Twitch or watching this back later, you know, rank seventy, but ADP forty nine point two. So there are people, you know, expecting him to go earlier than this rank as it is. Good point. Um, maybe it is when there's a run on offensive linemen later. But I mean, I believe you. I and I, I believe, and you're right. I mean, Wright's name is somebody that came up a lot uh, around Senior Bowl, and it was mentioned that Luke Getzey was there watching, and that's going to be part of this process and how the Bears draft. And it's going to be interesting to see if they tend to lean more towards those guys that Luke Getzey got to coach at Senior Bowl. Um, I'm I'm totally okay with taking Darnell right here. I think that fits a need. Obviously, you're still not sure about left tackle or right tackle, and you know. I think it's I think Darnell Wright, if that's how you should feel that strongly about this, I'm fine with sending that pick there. So we have a good comment in the chat that I want to address uh, from Matt. It says, is the center position deep enough to pass on JMS, uh, John Michael Schmitz? I think that the center position isn't deep enough in the draft, but you have enough options with the guys currently on your roster to 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 say, okay, that's not a a necessity, right? Because Cody Whitehair has already been hinted at potentially starting at center. But in your back pocket, you also have a guy in Lucas Patrick who that's his primary position. That's where he's at his best. So if, sure. thing, if he's healthy and things don't work out with Cody Whitehair, then you have to, a Lucas Patrick to fall back on. And Mustafer is gone, but I thank don't you. think— Thank God. You Thank God. <laughs> Mustafer. I don't think you have to say, oh, God. Also, who's to say that he's not there in eight picks? You're back that up too? in eight eight picks, a handful of picks. Who's to say he's not there? Or even a tip from Wisconsin. I'm like, if if JMS is gone, I'm fine with taking a, a, a center from Wisconsin as your consolation prize is just fine in my eyes. Yeah, um, I would agree. Uh, anyone else just intrigue you? Obviously, you're not going to go linebacker with Drew Sanders. Tipman's available. I kind of like John Michael Schmitz more. I don't know why they have him ranked higher. Mm-hmm. Um, Jameer Gibbs, a luxury, obviously, but. No entertainment in Cindy Brown because of your strength and safety. Right. Has he shown the ability to play nickel at all? Possibly, in, but that probably in a be a dime package. Big, yeah. Yeah. I, I think you go more toward I, I go with right here. I mean, it's the need that instead of drafting Sidney Brown and then trying to fit him into your scheme, you just draft that need and uh, right who just goes right to right tackle then. I do it. I'll do it as well. But before we do that, <laughs> I keep doing this. Uh, Isaiah Foskey. Really mm-hmm. good prospect. Now, because we took uh, Tyree Wilson, obviously we're not sure. going to take Foskey here at 53, but if we didn't take Wilson, we, we, we took Skaronsky. Foskey is definitely someone to entertain here at 53. I just want to do a quick uh, a breakdown of him uh, real fast and my notes on him. Another, I, I think, you know, true four, three, four-star prospect, all-time sack leader in Notre Dame. That speaks for itself, right? He, he beat out Justin Tuck in that uh, last year. A really good mix of strength and speed. Pretty solid athleticism score um, on... Uh, Unnextion stats as far as what he accomplished at the combine. You know, his tape is pretty impressive. Um, you know, it's nothing freakishly athletic, but again, when you're the all time sack leader at a school like Notre Dame, that, that, that says a little bit says something. something, that's, something yeah. to, that's says something. It's nothing to sneeze at. Um, again, I got a lot of experience uh, there at a good school. A name to consider if they opt to take tackle at nine and wait for their solution at edge rusher. But we're going to take here Darnell Wright. And in a quick, brief eight picks, we are on the clock again. Jameer Gibbs goes to the Chargers, San Laporta to the Lions, uh, Sidney Brown to the Giants, Zach Charbonnet to the, the Cowboys, Titman to the Bengals, and we are back on the clock here at 61. Jake Nick Herbig available, Eli Ricks, Julius Brents from Kansas State, a name I really like. Isaiah Fossey still available. Si- mm-hmm. Siaki Ika also still available. Could be your solution at 3-Tech. Trenton Simpson, Keanu Benton, and John Michael Schmidt still available. As far as offensive skill players go, Darnell Washington, a unicorn of a tight end from Georgia, available here for you at 61. Michael Wilson, I think I already mentioned that. Kaylee Ringo, also a really attractive name at cornerback who some say is still a need for the Bears as far as that third guy. Sure. Rasheed Rice from uh, SMU, Jalen Hyatt from wide receiver. What's the lean here, Jake? I mean, I definitely lead uh, John Michael Schmitz here. Uh, just some, if you're high enough on him that you think he could play center or at least compete for the job with whether it be Cody White here or Lucas Patrick, whoever, or both, um, I think if you're high enough on him, that is definitely a consideration. And then you have really four, basically your offensive line for the next five years set, really, with Braxton Jones, Tevin Jenkins, and then if you draft um, Wright and JMS... That's four of your guys right there for the next five years. And then depending on how you feel about Larry Borum, even if you're just as a swing tackle or just as a backup available to just somebody, you know, will be there on the cheap. I think that's a really attractive option to have. 
I know that you know maybe we lean a little bit more towards you got to go back to defense. I don't know. Maybe you do go Kaylee Ringo. Maybe I, I lean though to continuing to build that offensive line and have then in this in this scenario then four young guys locked up for you know on rookie deals still for the foreseeable future. Sounds nice. Sounds really nice. Sounds really nice. Yep. And and you know you get guys who are younger who have less of an injury history. And, and look, if that were to happen, if you were to fill the void there, uh, fill any question marks with John Michael Schmidt at center and uh, who we. I'm sorry, right. Darnell Wright, uh, that we just took at 53, Cody Whitehair would be cut. And, and, and we talked about the money that you saved from a post-June 1st cut with Cody Whitehair um, would be less significant at the time. You're not going to sign a high-level free agent with the money that you save in, uh, on June 1st. But that money is saved for next year as well. You're going to have to deal with a little bit of dead cap if you do that. But I, I have no problem with that. I mean, John Michael Schmitz would slot in to be your starting center. Right, and, and there would be some growing pains with a rookie starting center, without a doubt. Um, yep. But is it a better option to have that guy there for you, who's healthy, who's you're going to deal with a little growing pains, but you know is going to be the center and paired with Justin Fields for the next four years? I mean, that's a really crucial relationship, center quarterback yep. that you don't want fluctuating a whole lot. Now, the only thing that I would believe would deter them potentially from doing this is like they go back to their payroll, and yes, they can afford it, but they're looking at well, you know, why? Why are we paying Lucas Patrick then? Like, sure. we, th- th- it was a pretty decent contract for Lucas, Lucas Patrick. I got to check how much he's making this year. Um, Only one more year, though. So it's, yeah, so it's know. an easy cutoff after that. But like, it's a little bit hard to justify, I suppose, if you take if that's a guy who you're paying a decent amount of money just sit on the bench. I mean, at that point, he probably wouldn't have a slot on the offensive line, right, at all. But it's possible. That's just the way the cookie crumbled. Like, it's or if you cut white hair, then he's your starting left guard. Uh, yeah, because then you're Braxton Jones, but Nate Lucas Davis Patrick. is there. I mean, oh, true. I, wow, like I Nate Davis is going to probably be the left guard over Lucas Patrick, but you never know. I mean, I mean, you never know ha- what happens in camp. Um, I, I, any interest in like yeah, the Bears and Robert Tunyon, Cole Komet's elevated, but Darnell Washington, man, like this guy's sort only of one a unicorn. Year deal. I think for the sake of this draft, because you still have more holes that you need to address elsewhere, I don't think they would go with a tight end, no matter if he is a unicorn or not. You have two guys you feel really good about, even if one of them's on a one-year deal. I think you like where you're at as far as your tight ends go, and you have to use these picks to address needs that still aren't as solid as far as talent goes uh, compared to tight end. I would agree. Um I like Donald Washington, but again, I just think where you're at, it's just you're not in a position to do it, even though the whole best player available thing, again, it, you know, we'll see. I also don't, inter- I wouldn't inter- entertain any wide receivers here. I don't, okay. Jalen Hyatt, to me, I'm so out on him. Bust. Okay. Bust. I mean, there, there, there's a chance that Jalen Hyatt turns out to be Deshaun Jackson. Sure. There, there's a chance, right? You know, five touchdowns, 207 yards against Alabama. Yeah, that that's really exciting. And he, and he looked good in that game. But I just, I see Valus Jones in him. I do. Sure. Like, show me something. Like, yes, deep threat is great. Uh, not for the Bears. But they don't need that right now. You have a deep threat in DJ Moore who has the proven ability to get downfield and separate downfield. You have proven separators. You have deep. Uh, Darna Mooney can be a deep threat. Uh, Jalen Hyatt joining this team is is a net well, zero for me. Well, and Jones Jr. might still turn into something. That's in true. In his second year. So, yeah, I mean, I agree They're with that. They're the same prospect. I, I agree with that. They probably won't take a wide receiver here either. I think you go back to the tra- – I think you go offensive line again, uh, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say, I didn't – Isaiah Foskey is probably going to be a first-round pick, I think. I, I I wouldn't say probably. I know his ADP on PFF here is 62 and his rank is 64. That's a premium position, man. Like, edge rusher is a premium position. Premium positions go quickly in the NFL – a lot of the other position groups here aren't deep. Wide receiver isn't deep enough where a lot of guys are going to be taken late in the first round. Tackles sort of deep. Cornerback's deep. But, like, again, premium position at edge rusher, I think you might take— I mean, if you in the first two rounds say, look, yeah, Demarcus Walker's there, but are you content with Demarcus Walker on the opposite side of Tyree Wilson if that's the pick at nine? No, you're not, I mean, it's fine. But if you got Foskey and Wilson as your two edge rushers, like, those are your guys for the next four years— in the Super Bowl window, like so. Let me kn- ask you this: Would you be co- comfortable? Is this where we were talking about? You reach for Foskey at sixty-one because you feel confident that somebody's there at sixty-four. Maybe you do. That's a good yeah, kid. Like what a luxury! Sure. What a luxury that three picks later. There's a 
it's likely, according to PFF here, that JMS is going to be available at 64. Sure. Yeah. But we don't, I mean, and, and sure, it's likely that Fossey could be too, but I, look, now the only well, thing. Even when you're scrolling this, like, he's one of what, two edges? Available, uh, available in the in the most of the screen. And I'm yeah, not as high on Herbig. Sure. I don't know why they're really high. As shown on him. by the ADP um, too. Yeah, uh, Ika, I mean, you're talking me into Foskey here. I mean, the only thing that prevents this from happening is at some point between now and April 28th, the Bears sign Frank Clark, or sure. the Bears spend a decent amount of money on a one-year contract on a veteran edge rusher, which I think is in the cards. I think it's a possibility. Um, but you know, other than Dominique Robinson, you have no, Travis Gibson's not going to be here. You have no depth and young talent there. There's, I, I think you have to load it up. I go Foskey here and see if we get JMS at 64. Sure, I'm willing to take that swing. You've talked me into it. I'm glad I was able to to, to talk you into it. You could, yeah, so there you go. And so you get two picks later, you know, you get JMS. So. Um, this is the last pick that we have in our mock draft here because it's only three rounds because I'm not paying for freaking PFF. What a stupid freaking concept, man. By the way, like, if Instagram – or no, you're not verified on Twitter already, but Instagram's also introducing verification. Would you ever buy it for no. either either the platform? No. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be yeah. that guy that bought Twitter blue. Right. Then everybody makes fun of you. But, like, if you're LeBron James and you saw – like – he said he's not going to pay the five dollars for the meta subscription. Like, wouldn't you like right. kind of have to though? Like, if you're LeBron, Why? like because I, who's I mean, not yes, he, who's not following LeBron? I mean, LeBron James has already. like 208 million followers. Yeah, so yeah. you're going to know who he is versus like a, a parody account. But right. if you're like a, that's just the thing. You you just have to check when the account was created, how long it's been around, how many followers. Yeah, it has. but I don't like, have to just, do that. Uh, like, it's just a, I just I, I'm really takes frustrated. Three, it takes three. It takes seconds. a lot, Elon. It's just fucking dumb anyway three seconds so we're taking jms here no entertainment anyone else yeah i mean just i don't think you're taking wide receivers here i don't think you're taking any more linebackers at this stage uh what offensive line is still a need as of you know february 3rd you know this monday you still have a need on the offensive line and i think that's the way to go this is an elite draft i'm gonna lock in john michael schmitz here and it's gonna round out our, our, our three pick draft we're gonna recap it here uh i'm gonna simulate to the end of End of the draft here. Oh, I have to pay for unlocked PFF. Um, but <laughs> we did a good... Like, if this is the way it shakes out, make us the GM. So here we have it. We'll recap it um, in case you missed anything. No, I don't... Like, stop. Stop giving me ads. Like, I just... Stop. Okay. At number nine overall, no trades in this draft. At number nine overall, we take Edge Rusher Tyler Wilson out of Texas Tech. Second round pick number 53, tackle Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. Edge rusher Isaiah Foskey at pick number 61 in the second round. And then with our final pick in the in, first pick in the third round, 64 overall, John Michael Schmidt, center out of Minnesota, who a lot of people like. Now, PFF also doesn't want to give us a grade here because they have to <laughs> subscribe for that. Uh, I don't need them to give me a grade because this is an A+. I mean, this is a really good draft. This is the way it shakes off for the Bears. You solve your offensive line for the next four years, and you also solve your front four yep. for the next four. I mean, Jake, this is really good. Yeah, and if you take a defensive lineman, uh, a three technique or a, a deep tackle in the third or fourth round, I mean, you have, like, we just did the first four picks that the Bears have. This is four picks in the first 64. They have more after that, too. So it's, they have a lot of draft capital now since the trade uh, with Carolina. So they can address that later, too. So, I think this is really solid. Uh, you get four starters right away, guys that are going to walk in day one and probably be, well, maybe not one of the, maybe not Foskey, he'd probably be behind Walker, but I digress. Like you still get two starting offensive linemen, which is a huge need still. Uh, and you get that premium edge rusher in Tyree Wilson, which we've been saying the Bears need a game wrecker and you get one, maybe even two. And like, I don't want people to undervalue the impact that rookies like this could have on. Sure. The production of the team this year. Like, yeah. if, if they're developed correctly, the Kansas City Chiefs, what was it, played 10 rookies in the Super Bowl? Something like that. And a lot of those guys, like, were unrecognizable names drafted in the later rounds. So, yeah, you get four blue chip play uh, not blue, but, you know, probably, like, what, red on their freaking scale that I have no recollection of. next, I think. Yeah. Red or like, orange was next, uh, I think. You have a blue player in Tyree Wilson, and then red players with the rest of them, in my opinion. Um, but, like... We only did three rounds here. Uh, 
do not underestimate what they could do in the later rounds and what Ryan Poles could do acquiring more picks. Last year, he traded down a couple times, yep. accrued three more picks, and one of those Definitely. picks that he accrued turned into Braxton Jones, right? And look how crucial that was. So as far as the offensive skill positions like running back, like a wide receiver that they think they'll take, maybe a younger tight end for development that they could probably keep on the 53-man roster, which, by the way, this year, you know they're not doing stages and the new league meetings rule change they're not doing stages of cuts anymore they're cutting all oh, players yeah. in one day that. which is ridiculous could you imagine being a coach on that day having to have 40 guys come into your office and cut <laughs> all of them on the same day oh, God. that is an awful that's a lot day of work. Yeah. that's gonna be an interesting one to watch on on hard knocks um and yeah. i ask you that in a second but no i don't want hard knocks why not because i'm just not interested but why not because who are they gonna show like I love just who are they going to show? What a, like this team has a great personality to it. I think Iberflu should be good on it, right? He's so rah rah. Wasn't he on it with the Colts? He was on it with the Colts in the midseason. Yeah, that they did two years did ago. Anybody watch that? I watched a little bit of it. Of course, it wasn't you that did. good. But uh, I don't know. I'm just like I've never because I don't watch Hard Knocks as it is. So I'm just kind of oh, like okay. I'm not a Hard Knocks guy as is. So I'm just kind of eh on it in general. Um, I mean, if they're on it, will I watch? Probably, but like. Every year with Hard Knocks, by like the second episode, people on Twitter are like, "Okay, we've seen what we need to see. All right, I'm out." Like, who cares? <laughs> like, just it's I don't know. It just feels unnecessary. But like, I f- the only reason why I want it for the Bears is for some reason this organization is really keen on not giving you an inside look on the organization with the whole media thing about you can't bring cameras to training camp, right, right, right. you can't get an inside look. I think it'd be fascinating, and I think this is the way they want to operate because George McCaskey has come out very publicly and said, I don't want us on hard knocks. Now, this is a choice that is made by the NFL. They have no say in it. If they are elected to do it, they have to do it. They cannot decline. Um, But I think it would be interesting to get an inside look at this team. You have a lot of young players. I would would be entertained by it. And I don't think there's a downfall to it. There's a lot of people who think there's sort of a stigma around hard knocks that like, you know, oh, you're, you're in the public eye. And then it's just like, it's not good for the team. But you look at the Lions last year, yeah. like, I, you should know this as, you know, the the betting guy running all the shows that you do with Beck UL, like, didn't Hard Knocks alone raise the odds for Detroit a lot? Yes, it did. Like, it's it's interesting the way that works, but I don't think there's anything wrong with getting inside look at the team, and I'm just kind of interested in some of the personalities. Like, they have, like, this team is, in, like, Claypool is an interesting guy, right? Like, even sure. Fields is, like, although he's mellow, is like an interesting guy like I, a lot of young players a lot of energy i just think they would be not among the teams that are available to be on it which i think there's just four the jets are probably number one if aaron Rodgers goes right. there but after that the bears are you know right up there for uh for teams as far as how entertaining it would be but yeah anyway enough hard knocks talk here <laughs> any other thoughts here on our draft or what they might do in the later rounds since we're going to go past round three no, I mean, after this, I mean, you know, they're going to like, they'll probably take a wide receiver at some point uh, in the later rounds. They're definitely going to take a defense lineman. They'll probably take in a couple defensive backs. What I'm interested to see is if they draft a quarterback, uh, just as someone to have mm-hmm. a warm body uh, behind Justin Fields and behind Nathan Peterman PJ Walker. Uh, and PJ Walker. So that'll be interesting since they re-signed Peterman. I feel like it's less likely, it's very less, but less likely. I mean, we'll see what happens uh, as far as that. But yeah, I mean, we'll see you as far as wide receivers. Uh, maybe you see a Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet extension beforehand. And then we, it's less of a question uh, because then you have Komet and Mooney and more locked in for the next, you know, handful of years. And then the big Claypool question, obviously, which won't get answered until the season, but it's just, it's interesting. I think that the Bears have a lot of different ways that they can go about this, just with the amount of picks, where the picks are at. We talked about kind of that, you know, that range 53, 61, 64 provides you a lot of opportunity of how you're going to kind of attack those three picks. And I'm very interested to see maybe that is a trade down from 53 or even from 61 or 64 and, you know, jump back. I don't know. It's very interesting. Or maybe they just stand pat and they just kind of, you know, say, hey, here's five guys that we think we could get in this range of 53, 61, 64. And we're going to we feel good about that. So it's going to be very interesting. One last proposition for you before we wrap up. In the event that there's a player that they love that they believe is not going to be available past, uh, you know, somewhere between 53 and 61, if they package a couple picks together to move up, 
in the second round, is there any scenario in which they do that if a guy they like falls? They have the picks to do it. Sure. A couple late round picks, pair it up. Would 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 is it a possibility? I, I think in general, polls would rather move down and move up, as most GMs should probably sure. do. But Yeah, I think event, it's definitely a possibility. Or uh, even before fifty three. Right. right. I mean, maybe you package, you know, sixty one and fifty three or sixty four and fifty three, do something weird to try and jump up uh back into those forties or thirties. Uh, I don't know. But uh yeah, I mean it's it's definitely a possibility for sure. I would not rule that out. Yeah. I mean I mean having three picks in a you know, ten picks range is something that a lot of teams I think would covet. It's unbelievable. I mean, just doing this mock draft, you just realize how valuable it is and the and the flexibility that you have. It really affects your decision making, right? Like we if it weren't for sixty four, we wouldn't have taken we would have taken John Michael Schmitz at, at sixty one, but we sure. felt comfortable that we knew we'd get Foskey and Michael Schmitz there uh at, at sixty four, taking at sixty one and like it's just it, it, and look, look at what the second round picks were for the Bears last year. Like Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon were for the most part consensus first round talents. And when you get into the early parts of the second round, and yes, 61, 64 or later, but as far as 53 and even 61, like guys fall, positions of need go to teams. You're finding first round level players. Yeah. In 60, like John Michael Schmitz and Isaiah Foskey are first round level players that sure. are, are in deep position. You know what I mean? Like you are finding. I almost want to put rounds one and two in the same category. Like after right. after pick number fifteen, I'll group them together. Like it's the same pool. Like yeah. from talent, in my opinion. Like that's not completely accurate, but just to say that those picks in the second round and oftentimes can turn out to be players just as good, if not better, than players you pick in late in the first round. That that's that's all I'm saying. So do not undervalue the impact of those picks there at 61 and 64. And again, yes, 64 is quote round three, but it's basically round two because of the forfeited Miami pick. It's basically the last pick of the second round. So right. we'll categorize it as that. But sure. Yeah, I mean, I think this is solid. And then obviously there's a bunch more picks after that. So we'll see how it shakes out. Let us know how we did. Go and leave a review. Let us know how we did. Let us know on Twitter. Obviously at Bears Nation Pod, uh, at Jake underscore HAS2, at Kev Charles, uh, whatever, 112. I don't know. Uh, yeah, you got to get it less clunky. Okay, uh, I'm sorry. Um, anyway, it's easy. I need something easier to remember. Um, but anyway, let us know how we did. Let us know what you think, where we messed up, where you think we hit it, where you think we did good. Let us know. Um, we'll talk about it and discuss it. And you can yell at us if you want. That's fine. Uh, but anyway, good mock draft. I think everyone would be very happy if that's how the first four mm-hmm. picks. I'm sure there'd be people that had complaints, but there always are. And that's neither here nor there. But this is Bears Nation Podcast. We will be back, I don't know, eventually. But when stuff happens, we'll definitely be back to talk about it. Until then, everyone, go do your own mocks. Have fun with it. Because now it's fun. Because you have a wide receiver, and you're out of the number one pick. And it's fun. And why not? And you have three weeks to figure it out. And three weeks and change. So why not? Because that's what's there for. But only use the first two rounds because uh, if you're paying for PFF Plus for no reason, then uh, I don't know what to you're tell you. You're yeah. sad. But this has been Bears Nation Podcast brought to you by ONTAP Sportsnet. Once again, go to ONTAP Sports for everything you need Chicago sports with the Bears, with the Blackhawks, with the Bulls, with the White Sox, with the Cubs. Everything you need, they got you covered at ONTAP, including our lovely podcast where you can put us in your ears, which you should do all the time, including this episode. But you know that already. You're listening. I digress. This has been Bears Nation Podcast for myself, for Kevin. We will see you next time. And as always, bear down. Bear down.